0: Welcome to the battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Rusky and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Well, we're into fall, and uh, you can feel it in the air, and uh, we—that means uh, apparently our panelists are traveling. Um, We do not have anyone else here in the office today. That's because both Robert and Rebecca are on the road. Rebecca Lynch is with us from the Wisconsin Working Families. Where are you today, Rebecca?
1: I am in the People's Republic of Brooklyn today. Oh,
0: excellent. (laughs) Well, great. We're glad you could take the time to join us. Uh, Robert Craig, our executive director here, is also uh, on the phone, I believe, from Chicago. Robert
2: Yes, yeah, or from the hub city around O'Hare Airport. we that oh. at a big uh, conference of states working on public options, like our Batch Care Public Option Plan. But there are a bunch of states here that have uh, pop public options. They're trying to move into state law to make health care more affordable.
0: Very exciting and obviously critical work here in Wisconsin and other uh, other places around the country. So today... Obviously, we have to talk about what's been going on nationally with impeachment. And as we record this morning, there are congressional hearings going on around the whistleblower. Um, We're also going to talk with Wisconsin examiners Isaiah Holmes uh, about ICE. And ICE has been cooperating, it appears, with uh, some of our uh, local police departments here in Wisconsin. Isaiah will join us to talk more about that.
2: They're cooperating with they're cooperating with ICE, which is always the issue.
0: Well, we'll get to the bottom of exactly what's going on. Isaiah's obviously been tracking this. Um, and then we will also close by uh, being joined by our new organizer, Ben Wilson, who is helping organize a co-op in the Driftless area of southwestern Wisconsin. Ben will join us later to talk more about that and the launch and how if you're in that area, you sh- you ought to join. Well, let's get started. Rebecca, I'm going to go to you this is um this is quite unbelievable uh because last week in fact i think the last time we even mentioned or talked about impeachment nancy pelosi had been steadfast as as the leader in essentially opposing impeachment and not wanting it to come up and then all of a sudden this week if she flips and it it changes and she says she's going to pursue impeachment and uh Basically, not much later, we found out that there was this whistleblower, and we had uh, a call between President Trump and the Ukrainian leader. This is unbelievable stuff. Provide us a little perspective and, and your thoughts uh, as we record here on Thursday.
1: Yeah, well, as we record on Thursday, I think we're all still reacting to this, to the new news. Um, of course, this is not the first corrupt act of this administration. And in fact I think it's the Times that has an article out today about thirty separate investigations against the president and this presidency, whether it's I think eight local and state investigations, numerous federal and congressional investigations, and now impeachment. And so this is like probably without question the most corrupt administration in the history of our country. And you know, this latest um, this latest thing which has finally pushed uh, you know, Speaker Pelosi to pursue impeachment is the, the the corrupt quid pro quo conversation of which we now have a transcript between President Trump and the president of Ukraine, uh, in which our pres- American president asks a foreign government to investigate one of his political rivals running against him for president, namely President Joe Biden and his son. So, as if things are going to get any more shocking, here we are. Um, and I have a lot of takes on impeachment, but um, you know, before I kind of dive in, I'll, I'll let you guys jump in on, on what you're thinking. But that's, that's the basic lay of the land of what we're looking at right now.
0: Robert, your thoughts?
2: Just when you didn't think it could get worse, because I think that everything that was turned up before about cooperating with the foreign power to win the 2016 election, uh, the obstruction of justice, um, clear attempts by the president and the emoluments clause violations. Now, heading into this election, it gets even worse because he literally, President Trump, is trying to use the power of his office uh, to get political dirt on who he thinks is his most um, threatening opponent, Joe Biden, and to literally dangle mil- uh, military aid and the relationship which, uh, to, with the U.S. and Ukraine, Ukraine being a country that is faced by a much stronger power in Russia and desperately needs our help and assistance. And so this is exactly what the impeachment clause was designed to address. In fact, and this is what we've forgotten, that the Constitution would ever have been ratified without an impeachment clause in the Constitution because the people who framed the Constitution and all of the participants in the American Revolution were very afraid of monarchy and authoritarianism and very concerned about... A president running amok and it is not supposed to be a criminal standard it's not about courts it's not about federal laws it is literally about the abuse of power it's a key check and balance and all impeachment is in the house is it's an indictment the actual trial and conviction is in the Senate and so part of what happened that was bad before is is that we allowed the Mueller investigation to make it all about The legal standards of various federal laws about what coordination was or wasn't with a foreign power and and et cetera. And that's an appropriate standard. The standard basically is is that you have brazen abuse of power and abuse of office. And there is no question that there should be an impeachment inquiry, and Nancy Pelosi has gone along. Based on the facts, it certainly looks like there should be an actual impeachment and then a trial in the Senate. Uh, There's certainly enough to indict. And the argument that the Senate wouldn't convict this Republican is like a D.A. in the Jim Crow South saying that they're not going to indict a murderer because the all-white jury would uh, acquit them based on race, because who was murdered, they'd still have a duty to indict, no matter what the uh, actual jury would do to fulfill its duties or not. And so the question now is, should there be an inquiry, and then based on those facts, should there be an indictment, which is the impeachment, and that leads to the trial. And if the Republicans are going to go and find him innocent, they need to be on the hook for doing that, given the fact they've
0: here. Well, I want to get to sort of handicapping a bit later, but I, I first, I'm just struck. I This morning I spent a little bit of time watching some of the immediate testimony, um, and it is surreal, right? Like it's almost as if a parsing of words uh, on the You know, efforts to try to, uh, particularly conservatives in this case, to avoid uh, any sort of clear wrongdoing by Trump. Um, It just, it kind of reminded me uh, last week where we had Greta going around plain talking to the UN about what are you adults doing here? This is crazy. Uh, It's almost like we need (laughs) them to come back and tell us adults what's going on here. This is so obvious when you listen to this call that you have a president of the most powerful country on the planet, you know, speaking uh, very clearly in coded bru- uh, bullying ways that you're going to do this, you know, and, and you mentioned it, Robert, a country that desperately needs the support that was pulled two days earlier. It's like, how can, how can adults not see what's going on here? It is just... It's mind-boggling, but this is an incredibly politically polarized situation. Um, just any other... F- I, I w- want to give both of you any further thoughts about sort of the specifics before we get into any sort of political handicapping and really how any thoughts on how this ought, ought to and is going to play out. Rebecca? Well, before
1: I answer that, can I just say that um, one of the most important narratives, I think, to come out of this is the one in which... You know, the women of color in Congress, particularly the new freshman members of Congress who are particularly progressive, have been talking about impeachment since before they were even sworn in. And you have Rashida Tlaib in Michigan, obviously AOC out in Queens, but these members of Congress have been talking about impeachment for a long time. And so... Uh, this is certainly, like, incredibly egregious and, like, absolutely impeachable offense. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, I think in the opinion of many listeners and, and a vast swath of the American people, there have been multiple impeachable offenses. And so I'm glad that the uh, Democratic Party leadership is, like, coming around to, you know, doing what is their constitutional duty, which is to, you know, commence impeachment inquiries. But this is something that, like, some very, like, brave and bold voices have been, beating the drum about for quite some time. So I just wanted to to quickly throw that out there.
2: Robert? There's a constitutional duty here, independent of what people think of Trump. Um, If we don't don't have an impeachment inquiry and an impeachment decision about whether to impeach, and then, of course, a Senate trial as to whether to actually remove from office, then I think we're giving up the whole impeachment clause of the Constitution forever, because what other— malfeasance would rise to impeachment of what Trump has, doesn't, has done does not rise to that level. And that's extremely dangerous. And the Republicans are saying in this hearing that everything should be fine because there's an election coming up. You, someone should not be able to stand for office who's abused power. And so it, it's a scary proposition that you could win an election and stay in office even though you've read the Constitution, which is what Republicans are arguing right now as we speak during this Intelligence Committee hearing.
0: Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. We're going to talk more about this um, historic situation here in our country. You're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back. You're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We are talking about this historic moment in our country around the impeachment of the president of the United States um robert you had been saying something want to give you an opportunity and then rebecca i want to get back to you robert
2: this is about whether we have an impeachment clause or not and about whether members of congress are willing to uphold their duty to uh, protect and defend the constitution that they were sworn into office on because if you do not have an impeachment process around the fact base here with donald trump there's not going to be an impeachment clause because It's hard to imagine another president doing as much as this and never being impeached, which means that we literally would be captive to any leader that could win a popular vote, which was not the intention of the Constitution at all. And so I would say a couple things to bear in mind. First of all, do not fall into the idea that there's a legal standard like the way uh, the Justice Department interprets a particular federal law, uh, the impeachment clause, the, the high crimes and misdemeanors, it's literally about abuse of office, abuse of power and it is not a it is not a legal uh, framework at all in fact the only punishment is impeachment removal from office and and uh, ineligibility to stand for office and the impeachment clause says very specifically that uh, you could be then charged with additional crimes or not based on what statutes were and what what courts decided to do so that's very important to understand the other thing to do when Cass Sunstein in his book, A Business Guide to Impeachment, does a really good job of laying this out, and it's something we should do because we don't want to be clouded entirely by our hatred of Donald Trump as progressives, just pull out who the person is. If, if, if it was a leader, a leader you liked or a leader that you didn't know who they were, let's say it's leader X, if they did these things, would this justify an impeachment inquiry, actual impeachment, and actual conviction in those stages? Try to have a veil of ignorance as Cass Sustein says, citing the philosopher John Rawls, and think about the acts and whether they're worth it rather than coloring it with Trump. And Republicans need to do the same thing. And that's where they're very hypocritical, because what they said about impeachment under Bill Clinton, the same politicians, the people, the Lindsey Graham for the world, is so dramatically different than what they're saying now, it shows that they're not, be, they're not actually fulfilling their oath of office to actually uphold the Constitution and treat impeachment as as separate from partisan loyalty or ideological loyalty.
0: So, Rebecca, I want to get your thoughts. Obviously, this is a state of Wisconsin show, and um, we're a divided state. Um, our congressional our congressional leaders are, are out now starting to take positions on this. Your thoughts on uh, how that is uh, shaping up?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. I, I'm looking, just so listeners know, with... Um, I'm looking at the New York Times. They have a tracker for every single member of Congress. So it could be that there's a couple uh, things that are out of date. And if they are, you know, feel free to let me know. Um, but we'll obviously keep track on this. Um, it won't surprise anyone to know that the two members of the Wisconsin congressional delegation who support impeachment are Gwen Moore and Mark Pocan. Um, But what's interesting is where the rest of the delegation lies. So we have um, at least one, if not more, folks who are undecided. So one of them, at least according to this New York Times tracker, is Ron Kind, who said, quote, the administration must hand over the whistleblower report as required by law so Congress can investigate these claims as part of its constitutional duties. So that's like Ron Kind's quote to not weigh in on whether he is like pro or against impeachment. Uh, and then uh, we have a bunch of folks who don't support. So one of them is Mike Gallagher. Um, and then we have folks we're waiting to hear from. So we've got Jim Sensenbrenner, who we haven't, at least according to this tracker, we don't have a response from. And uh, Glenn Grossman, which I think will be interesting to listeners. So, you know, oh, and Brian Style, of course, my personal favorite. So I think, you know, this is like a really interesting political question. For these Republican members of Congress, you know, as Robert just laid out, uh, this is you know part of their constitutional duty. It's it's not legal, um, it's not a legal process, I should say. Um, but you know, it's something that is like a core part of their constitutional duty, and this is something that really requires inquiry. Um, and yet, they're in this awkward position, right? I mean, these are folks who have to run for re-election. Uh, you know, there certainly is a lot of support in in some of their districts for President Trump. And so I think it's going to be really interesting um, for us to kind of see how they squirm and try to, like, square their positions with what is their duty versus how they feel about the president. Um, I don't know if either of you have any opinions on that, but this is something that, like, I'm very— interested in tracking week to week and, and seeing where they fall on impeachment proceedings.
0: It is worth pointing out, Brenner did have comments here in the local media that were, you know, pretty defensive, uh, pretty much defending Trump uh, saying uh, from what we know now, Trump did nothing wrong and he did nothing wrong because he did not offer a quid wow. pro quo. So he's like, you know, it gets down to this, like literally wow. quid pro quo, as opposed to the realities of basic, power dynamics, right? You have the most, I brought this up earlier. the most powerful country, president, having a conversation with a country in a very tight situation, the Ukraine, right? How does that conversation occur? You don't have to specifically state exactly what you want. It's very clear because he was threatening and he had already pulled their aid and knew that they needed it and spoke in a way that was sending very clear messages. So, like, the notion that there wasn't a quid pro quo, it's like, again, it gets back to what I said. It is, it is adults acting like children in, in terms of not just literally being honest about what they're seeing, right? You know, that we would parse words like this. But, yeah. You know, it's just— it's. And because it's, not
2: a, because it's not a legal proceeding about some interpretation of a complicated federal statute and case law, we don't have to deal with things such as Robert Mueller's interpretation of you know, the coordination with a foreign power statute, the uh, conspiracy statute, uh, but to show that they had, to, it didn't matter They what Mueller found, that, uh, that uh, the Trump administration, the tr- Trump campaign welcomed the Russian interference, knew it was going to happen, tried to facilitate it, and helped them. They had to have a statement that said, I will give you this if you give me that. And so you could see some bizarre legal formulation applied to this, but that's not the issue in impeachment. It's not about interpreting federal statutes. It's about whether there's an abuse of power. Now, I could respect a position—I don't know what Ron Kine's position is exactly—that said, I don't want to come out for the impeachment yet, and I want to come out for the inquiry and then judge based on the inquiry— um, I could I could respect that. I could also respect that. I think, based on the fact base, someone like Mark Pocan or Gwen Moore, that there's impeachable offenses here, but still some open mindedness about exculpatory evidence. Uh, what I can't respect. Is what a number of republicans are doing which is saying that this is all a hoax that's what ranking intelligence committee chair Devin nunez said the ranking republican and just a political conspiracy and it should all go away uh, and not even have an inquiry that is not a credible position that is just the worst of a of partisan defense of a, of a president because he's of my party and because he's popular among my base
0: oh nunez was terrible this morning and i mean just outright basically uh, slamming the media and suggesting the entire media is uh, just an apparatchik of the Democratic Party. It was, it was appalling, right? It's all the kind of stuff that pulls away and tries to destroy civil society, right? And the even concept that there might even be a commons, as uh, our good friend Jalili Kohler likes to talk about. You know, they just blow, blow that up. Rebecca, I want to give you a chance to have some final thoughts.
1: Just that I'm really looking forward to seeing how you know these in, the, how the inquiry plays out. I mean, I think there are some interesting questions about who asks the questions. Are they members of Congress? Is it similar to what we saw during the Kavanaugh hearings, where maybe there's like a prosecutor who's not a member of Congress who asks questions? Um, so, really interested about the architecture of these proceedings, um, but really want to again just. Applaud the leadership of the left flank of the Democratic Party that has, like, never let up about impeachment, and really hopeful that this is, you know, a moment that's going to turn the tide on how much truth and transparency we get from this administration.
2: I would just add that we are verging on constitutional crisis here because we have an entire political party, a modern political party, uh, that wants to nullify. It appears a vital laws of the Constitution. This is the same party that claims to be originalists who believe in the original intent of the Constitution just for holding power and for their own political advantage. And this, based on this fact, there absolutely has to be an impeachment inquiry, and thankfully that's going to happen. Uh, But the refusal to take it seriously, the attempt to just lie about it, uh, put out spew propaganda for Fox News to to replay over and over again, is just a stunning violation of, the, of these people's oaths of office, but on our side, I hope we will try to take a step back and see this as upholding a key element of the Constitution, and try not to make it about everything we hate about Donald Trump. And there's a lot to hate about him, and to think about the precedent and be aware that any precedent we set uh, can be applied down the road by Republicans to a Democratic or progressive president. So we should be mindful. And since the facts are clearly on, on our side, given this fact base. Uh, we should do this in the most above board the, uh, the most objective and principled way because we, want, we do need to. Unfortunately, Trump would not treat our side the way people should be treated. We should treat him as we would want a progressive president to be treated if there were questions uh, raised about his or
0: her conduct. With that, we are going to have to take a break. Uh, Robert, I know you have to run. Uh, we appreciate your thoughts uh, on this important topic. So uh, when we get back, we will be joined by the Wisconsin examiners, Isaiah Holmes. We're going to talk about ICE and what's been going on with a lot of our local police departments. Uh, should be a great conversation. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are really fortunate to have a guest with us. His name is Isaiah Holmes. Isaiah is a journalist with the Wisconsin Examiner. We have talked a lot about their work. We think they're doing amazing work and want to encourage you all to to keep checking out their site. But Isaiah, thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we're thrilled. We've... Uh, talked about some of your stories before, but uh, we wanted to have you on to talk about what's been going on with ICE,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, particularly with local police departments here, and specifically the Milwaukee area. But this is a conversation not only throughout the state, but nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been doing some uh, research into what's been going on, particularly with the Wauwatosa Police Department, but I think also a bit Waukesha and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm.
3: Tell us, uh, in a nutshell, what you've what you found. So... The most recent article that I did, um, besides an article about the uh, family on the South Side whose father and husband was uh, arrested uh, by ICE and taken away, um, was about a possible relationship between the Wauwatosa Police Department and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Um, In light of the American Civil Liberties Union essentially finding out or discovering at the Waukesha County Sheriff's Office had a on-paper partnership with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They're the only known Wisconsin department to have one like that. I thought it would be interesting to kind of maybe do maybe a census or kind of poke around the different local departments and kind of see what their feelings on interacting with ICE are because Milwaukee, both two police chiefs, actually, uh, the former police chief, uh, Ed Flynn and uh, Alfonso Morales, both have expressed kind of... Uh, reservations about wanting to interact with or cooperate with ICE because it affects their community relations. Uh, obviously a big part of this whole conversation is that local local police depend on local people trusting them and wanting to call them and interact with them and when you and when that trust is hurt then it's harder for the police to do their jobs and solve crimes and things like that and even respond. It, it, which is in contrast to maybe to federal entities which come in they do whatever operations or tasks that they need to do and then they leave the community and they're not really connected to that community at all
0: you you raise a good point yeah Uh, there's this has been a huge public issue for a number of years now in in the milwaukee police department and certainly our mayor and and you mentioned the police the last two police chiefs have really tried to publicly have a position that we're not going to do this for all the public safety reasons if folks are afraid of the police, how do you solve crimes? You need the community and the police to be able to work together. You, what is your digging found? In, in Wauwatosa, right, a suburb, for folks who don't know, it's a suburb right next to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly important. And it's a large city, 55,000 or so people. What, what did you find in your uh, investigating?
3: So the Wauwatosa Police Department, um, last September, right on September 11th, actually, the Wauwatosa Common Council had a meeting, and uh, there was an alder woman named Heather Kruhl, or Kral, uh, who was proposing a resolution to essentially have it so that if the Wautosa Police Department wanted to collaborate with ICE or wanted to go in that kind of direction, that they would have to essentially tell the Common Council. But a lot of people interpreted that as the resolution wanting to make Tosa a sanctuary city of sorts for uh, undocumented individuals. And um, there was this big Common Council meeting. A lot of residents came out for and against the resolution or the idea of it being a sanctuary city. Uh, some residents uh, said, we want an inclusive community. We want to be welcoming to everyone. And then others were like, well, we don't want crime to come here. And we don't want, you know, just those kinds of arguments, uh, which is kind of, you know, a misnomer because Toast, you know, like like anywhere, Toast already has has crimes and, you know, car, car break-ins and everything, the undocumented aren't. Aren't really contributing like significantly for or against that. So, uh, the police chief uh, Barry Weber uh, took this uh, took the public podium, and he's uh, made a couple points to the Common Council. He said that um, if they arrest someone uh, under a serious uh, vi- a serious offense or crime or violation, whatever that means to the Waldo'sa police at that particular time. Um, uh, then they, he will not hesitate to call Immigration and Customs Enforcement, uh, regardless of whatever resolution or ordinance was there to prevent him from doing such. Wow! And a lot of people made made the point of, hey, he's not going out necessarily like just like asking people. Their status like if they do something wrong and they find out that they're undocumented then he's going to respond but other people were just kind of disturbed by just kind of how uh, cavalier and how frank that he was with the governing body of Wauwatosa and saying look like we're kind of going to do what we what we're going to do in regards to this and um, so I filed an open records request with the Wauwatosa Police Department for their standard operating procedure for interacting with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, as well as a document uh, to maybe indicate any kind of partnership. It is known that the Waukesha County Sheriff's had a cover letter uh, that they wrote to Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and they uh, the Tosa PD denied uh, that request. They said they didn't have any responsive documents, which didn't surprise me because I filed many requests with Tosa PD, and it can be very hard to get them to kind of cooperate with that kind of process sometimes, or respond like like give you the records that you really ask for so then i asked uh i saw a comment from the wauwatosa police and they said the police chief has spoken publicly on this before we have no comment so then i reached out to the mayor Wawatosa and she was in lockstep almost said the same thing word for word in an email um the wauwatosa police chief has has pu- commented publicly on this and they haven't talked to me and there hasn't been any more discussion since then and i refer to you to those prior public comments so there is a video that i linked to in the article where you can see a uh, the Barry Weber say what he says, and um, uh, I put that out there basically as a question of, you know, is this department with a, with a police chief that has said, very very has a very strong stance for uh, working with ICE under certain circumstances, are they working with ICE, and um, is it possible to uh, have any paper trail for that, you know, or any documentation for that? No dice. No dice, <laughs> and um, that's just one department, of course. Yep. In Milwaukee County, there's Greenfield PD, there's Butler, there, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if Butler PD, but there's all these different kinds of departments. There's campus police, yep, there's um, there's uh, I think even Shorewood has their own little department, so you know,
0: Rebecca, I want to give you a chance to ask a question.
1: Thank you so much for your reporting. Um, I just want to kind of underscore a couple of the a couple of the things that you said and, and stuff you've reported on. So listeners may have seen, um, but if you haven't, you should go find it and check it out, a video posted by Voces de la Frontera of a uh, family separation that happened in Milwaukee, I think earlier this week. Um, Tuesday, just I, I
4: believe. It's mm-hmm. been a long
1: week, but I think just a few days ago, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Tuesday. Um, And, you know, I really encourage folks to watch the video and to watch the full video. But what you see, um, you know, in that video very clearly is MPD, Milwaukee police officers on the scene participating in this action. And uh, they constantly say that they're not, that they happen to be passing by, that they are um, that they're just there to, like, keep the spectators safe. Um, Lots of, like, truly ridiculous statements. But the fact of the matter is there's MPD and ICE agents on the scene. And what you see in the video is they surround the family uh, with vehicles barricading the car into its parking spot. Um, On foot, there's a number of armed officers around the family that's trapped inside this car. There's a canine that is, like, barking throughout the video. Mm -hmm. And uh, towards the end, what happens is there's a bunch of commotion. And the daughters like emerge from the car, um, understandably hysterically crying. And they come up to the bystanders who are taking the video and they explain what happened. And what they say happened is that a agent or officer, I'm not exactly sure which, reached into the car through the window, unlocked the door, and opened the door and yanked them out. Well, basically what you see on video is this family physically being separated. The youngest daughter is 11 years old. It's three daughters and his wife. Um, and it's just like really, really horrible. And so I, I, I say that folks should watch this. It's traumatic, so like keep that in mind. But like I say that because you just like have to see what is happening in our community. And particularly for listeners who live in Milwaukee, you know, there's a layers of accountability that we need to force here. And one is, with the fire police commission that you know as listeners know we tape on thursday mornings usually the show comes out thursday night or friday but tonight there's supposed to be a hearing on the standards and operating procedures of the mpd specifically as it relates to collaboration with ICE, the hearing has been canceled. Um, many of us will be at a press conference in action outside where the hearing was supposed to be anyway at 4:30 today. But I say all this to say, like, it is our responsibility as people who pay the salaries of these officers and of the mayor and of the police chief, and you know, it's happening in our name with our money to to force some accountability. And really, you know, there's been like this delicate dance in Milwaukee about whether or not there's been collaboration between MPD and ICE, and you know, what many of us believe, what I certainly believe is, like, we have to force the issue and, like, force, like, a very clear, um, you know, pronouncement from the FPC, the Fire Police Commission, from the mayor, from the police department, that there will be no collaboration with ICE. And so I just really want to thank you. I don't really have a question. I just really want to thank you for your reporting because, you know, many of us have seen this on social media, but it's, like, so important that you know, the fourth estate, really memorialize and record what is happening for people to know now that this is real, that this is true, but also for posterity and for for the sake of history. Like, this is happening not just at the border and not just in places that we don't know, like, far off places, but Mm -hmm. here in our community right now, and it's outrageous, and there's quite a lot that we can do. So uh, there's a petition you could sign. There's the event that I mentioned today, which will already have passed by the time people listen to this, um, but certainly you can follow that.
0: we got Um, to quick take a break. We're uh, we're going to pick this up right after the break. We'll carry this on for a few minutes into the next segment. You're listening to Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back. We are having a great conversation about what's been going on with ICE and cooperating with our local police departments. And, um, Isaiah, before... um, Before you go, we just, obviously, Rebecca, before the break, did a great job of laying out how important it is to have someone like yourself covering this um, so it's not just stuck in our advocacy groups, you Mm -hmm. know, pushing stuff out, that there's actually um, somebody who's working on this. So uh, talk more about, like, how you see this going forward. Rebecca also mentioned that this really important (laughs) hearing Walkie was has been canceled. I'll assume it's going to be rescheduled, but uh, we'll talk. We'll get more information on that and continue mm-hmm. to encourage people to go. But um, any further thoughts, Isaiah, before before you go?
3: Well, I will say that um, I think that one of the overarching themes throughout this entire thing uh, with the uh, immigration and customs enforcement controversy is transparency. I think that uh when the raids first started happening shortly after donald trump took office or you know people were really disturbed by like the images of like the unmarked white vans just kind of appearing in these large people who won't talk to anyone coming and just taking away individuals uh so i think that when it comes to standard operating procedures and policies i think that police departments i think need, need to have very clear policies uh whatever stance they want to take I think they have to have some sort of written policy that the public can access and know exactly what they're doing and what the protocol is Uh, one reason why voices de la frontera is pushing uh, with the um, fire fire and police commission vote is because they feel and probably rightly so that the policies there which do uh, seek to restrict or limit activity are still too loose and I think that because uh, I reached out to MPD about why the MPD officers were there, and they they uh, their public information officer said they were flagged down, and then they just go happen to be in the area and go happen to go help. Uh, and you know that is a possibility, but you know why is the standard operating procedure, which is supposed to restrict ice uh, interactions, loose enough to where an MPD officer who happens to be driving past can just choose to stop? And then and I will note uh, uh, the MPD officer uh, they gave their badge numbers, but one of them the one of them who was really talking, he said, you know, we're kind of here so that you guys don't meddle in their business. Uh, you know, so, right. so I think that there's a difference between pr- like protecting the public uh, from this kind of interaction or whatever and maybe providing security or backup or protection for that actual operation. So transparency is the biggest thing, um, whether it's the Milwaukee Police Department uh, with the example that we saw a couple of days ago where the Wauwatosa police department kind of saying these kind of very strong cavalier statements and then saying radio silence we don't want to talk we don't want to we don't have any records to give anyone etc um and i think the second part is just empathy you kind of saw this with the black lives matter protests where there was this conversation about what it's like to be a tar- uh, to be a, a a demographic or an individual which is targeted by these kinds of policing operations or policies contrasting the people who are not targeted by those uh, by those activities, and the conversation I was being had about, like, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, what's the big deal, and just all these different kind of false equivalents, like, look, would you, if it were you would, you, would you want or tolerate an officer reaching into your car uh, and physically unlocking the door uh, when you're not posing a threat? Uh, no. Would you... We still don't know what the probation violation that they apparently sought him out for was, uh, and as far as I know, we don't really know where he live, where, where they took him. I took, uh, I reached out to the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office, and they said that they don't have him. They didn't book him, and that very key point, they they don't detain or book people solely because of an immigration detainer. I think that's a very important point because they can be picked up for other things, possibly. Right. You know, it's uh, so I think that transparency uh, with police agencies they have to understand that they're working with the community. And that they need to um, listen to the community, regardless of whatever federal funding or gadgets they might enjoy through their partnerships with the federal government, um, which the city may not be able to provide. And empathy in the throughout the community, which the pe- the police are part of the community, they're people too. Putting yourself in that other person's shoes and saying, if, if that was my, if that was me or my dad or my daughter, you know, or if that was my neighborhood, just because I don't go over or down by, you know. 15th and uh, national doesn't mean that what happens there doesn't matter, and if it's wrong, it's still wrong. So I think those are the two points.
0: Well, we want to thank you for for the work that you've been doing throughout uh, mm-hmm. at the Wisconsin uh, Examiner, and thank you for coming on today and talking with us. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a critical issue. Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And with that, we have another guest that we want to close the show with. We're very excited to have Ben Wilson with us. Uh, ben is a new organizer with Citizen Action. He is helping us organize a co-op in the Driftless area of West southwestern Wisconsin. Ben, thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for having me on such a uh, slow political news week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We're trying to squeeze everything in, but look, this is super important. We think... These organizing cooperatives are absolutely fundamental to changing uh, the state, changing the way we organize, and making sure that we have people-powered organizations. Ben, give us, real quick, we don't have a ton of time, but tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's get into uh, the co-op.
4: All right, well, my name is Ben Wilson. I grew up here in the Justice region in Lansing, Iowa. Uh, Most of my background is actually in marketing. The thing about marketing is it's not very rewarding if you care about social justice if you care about change if you care about making a better world then uh making a couple million dollars for pepsi doesn't really fulfill you that much so i am now an organizer in the in the southwest wisconsin region with citizens action wisconsin
0: and and you're in the viroqua area if i'm correct you just moved
4: Yep, i just moved from lacrosse to Verroqua. uh the area that i'm covering is across a lot of the dripless region uh vernon county lacrosse county uh, possibly Grant, Monroe, Tremblay, Green, all over.
0: Yeah, no, it's a it's a tremendous area. Uh, it, it it's challenging because it is it covers a lot of space and and because of the topography, this uh, it's called the Driftless. For folks who don't know, because it's an area that the glaciers didn't really go get and flatten, and so it can be challenging to get around and build collective sort of uh, sense of community between sort of. S- separated areas, but um, for folks who don't know our co-op, the, the theory, the model behind it is we try to get about you know 250 folks together uh, who are willing to make contributions each month that can help sustain an organizer and a permanent organizing program locally that's connected to a statewide national network like Citizen Action and People's Action. So, Ben, tell our listeners a little bit more. You're about to get this. You're already signing people up doing all kinds of meetings but you're going to have a an event uh next week to really officially kick off uh, a campaign to build this thing and try to get over 200 members
4: yeah that's right we're looking for a critical mass of 250 people across at least five counties in southwestern wisconsin uh we've done kind of a soft launch already we have about looks like 30 to 40 people up, but next thursday we have a really exciting event in lacrosse at the uu fellowship hall building on uh West Avenue in Lacrosse. We're having a launch event to officially make it make it real. We're going to have a launch event next Thursday, October third, at seven p.m. And we encourage everyone who's in the area to come on out, learn all about the co-op, learn about co-governance, and learn about our energy efficiency up home upgrade program, the uh, campaign that we're launching right now in the Driftless Region. We're trying to make sure that one thousand people in the Driftless Region upgrade their home with energy-efficient upgrades, including solar panels, new insulation, new appliances, new doors and windows. We want to do that so that we can help fight climate change, create good union jobs, save people money, and increase home values across the area.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I know a lot of this has come out of, you know, a lot of times people don't realize that, uh, in, in fact, a lot of conservatives often try to tell us that rural areas don't really care about climate change it's those city slickers or folks from the east coast or wherever but uh your your neck of the woods the driftless area has just been absolutely devastated by repeated floods that clearly are connected to climate change and also just sort of development policies all of this and you know it's a huge issue and so this co-op and and, uh folks are going to take a lead in trying to both address something globally, but do it with real local practical solutions that can change, you know, change uh, people's houses and also create good jobs. Uh, tell us a little bit more Then again, um, we got about a minute or so left about uh, the next week, again, the event, what folks should expect, and um, uh, again, the location. And then also how they can get in touch with you if they can't make the event and would like to just uh, become a member.
4: Well, I'd love to sit down and meet with anyone, whether they can make the event or not. Uh, People can email me at ben.wilson at citizensactionwi.org. I'd love to schedule a chance to sit down over coffee and chat with anyone who's interested. Uh, Anyone who can make the event, it is next Thursday, October 3rd, at the UU Fellowship Hall building in La Crosse. That's 410 West Avenue South in La Crosse. The event starts at 7 p.m. It'll be a wonderful chance to really... Dig into what Citizens Action is, learn about our co-op model, learn how they can take part in co-governance, and meet fellow activists, and really get excited about the movement that we are building. Citizens Action co-ops are a great chance to actually have ownership, have a stake in a progressive movement to really help dictate what a larger movement is going to fight for in your area, and get to know other activists. We're really excited about it. Once again, it's at 410 West Avenue South in La Crosse, Thursday, October 3rd at 7 p.m. And I hope everybody can make it.
0: Well, Ben, we're really thrilled uh, that you joined Citizen Action and that uh, you were able to take some time and let our listeners know about this event. We will have you on again. We really appreciate it, Ben.
4: Thank you, guys. Everybody have a wonderful
0: weekend, okay? All right, great. And with that, we got to wrap up this Battleground wisconsin podcast we want to thank isaiah holmes from the wisconsin examiner joining us we also of course want to thank ben wilson our new organizing co-op organizer from the driftless area and of course thank robert and rebecca for joining us from afar but we got to wrap it up we'll see you next week at the battleground wisconsin